Welcome to Tuesday afternoon here on Columbo and Katie on 1019 and 94.1 News Talk STL. I'm Tony Columbo. My partner is Katie Fitzpatrick, and we have a great show scheduled for you today. Lots mm-hmm. going on out there mm-hmm. and lots to talk about. How are you? I am excellent. It's going to be a really, really good show. It is going to be a really, really good show. We are going to get you up to speed and uh, talk about all kinds of the latest headlines and news out there, including uh, another check-in from our buddy Steve Templeton, chief meteorologist over at uh, Channel 4, who joined us for a special hit yesterday to talk about the weather that was heading our way last night and into this morning. And now uh, there is another batch of something. Snow, it looks like heading our way this afternoon so once again steve is going to join us mm-hmm. in just about 25 minutes so right around 2 30 and again i love this because you know you read various forecasts yep. and you know a lot of a lot of times they seem to be kind of changing mm-hmm. and you don't know what is the truth or what to expect so i love that steve is coming on in about in about 25 minutes from now to uh, give us the truth, and we'll know what to expect. We'll know what to plan for. We'll know how big or little of a deal it was. He's also been doing some things on Facebook, too. At KMOV Steve Templeton, he's mm-hmm. been updating us on Facebook whenever he can. So if you guys haven't followed him on Facebook, I would yeah. encourage you to do so. It's, it's not an act with Steve. He no. truly, it's truly important to him to keep people informed. Mm-hmm. Like it's, he's he it, he's very serious about doing everything he can to keep people informed about the weather, especially when it's weather that can potentially be dangerous or disrupt your schedule. You know, it's going to be school closing or road closing or anything like that, you know. So um, looking forward to getting that information from Steve at 2.30. Also, uh, well, speaking of weather, usually on Tuesdays, our buddy Crane Durham joins us, but um, he is uh, he is not he's somewhere south right now. He's not in the St. Louis area right now, and he's dealing with some weather, and it's yeah. and it's messing up his connection. Mm-hmm. So the weather is so the weather is playing a, a role uh, in the show today. So uh, I don't think we're going to end up uh, uh, talking to Crane this afternoon, but we are going to go live to Iowa and talk to Karen Fessler a little less than an hour from now. Karen Fessler is part of the uh, Republican Party. He, she's a Republican political strategist there in Iowa, and she has been somebody. Well, she's a regular guest on the Tim uh, Jones and Chris Arp show, which hopefully you've heard those conversations because it's tremendously informative. And she's somebody that we uh, I've talked to for years, specifically uh, around presidential elections, because Iowa always plays such a big role in the presidential mm-hmm. the presidential cycle being first in the nation and all of that the Iowa caucus is less than a week away of course we have the big debate happening tomorrow night at Drake University there in Des Moines Iowa uh, we are carrying that debate between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley that will be here on News Talk SDL tomorrow night from 8 to 10 p.m. so you've got the big you've got the debate tomorrow you've got the Trump uh, town hall rally happening also tomorrow night in Iowa. Then we've got <laughs> the Iowa caucus on Monday. I mean, it is like all eyes on Iowa right yeah. now. So we'll get the, uh, 
uh, we'll, we'll go directly there and get the feeling on the ground in Iowa. Are the polls correct? Um, is is it, did, Does it look like a Donald Trump landslide from what they can tell on the ground there in Iowa? Or is it going to be maybe something unexpected? What's the... We'll take the temperature uh, when we talk to Karen here in a little less than an hour. So very much looking forward to that. Also, uh, after that conversation at about 3.20 this afternoon, we are going to talk to the Secretary of State of Missouri, Jay Ashcroft. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's got anything to talk about these Some things days. going on. <laughs> Holy yeah. moly. Yeah. yeah. So we'll address everything that's been going on with, uh, with the Secretary when we talk to him uh, a little more than an hour from now. Also, one of the things that I definitely want to talk to him about, and I think that he's, he, he, you know, he's um, um, kind of on a on a mission right now to spread this information. Speaking of the presidential election and the primaries and the caucuses and all of that, Missouri has changed our process this year from a primary to a caucus, and I think that comes along with, as as any change would, comes along with some confusion. Mm-hmm. So definitely one of the things I want to talk to uh, Secretary Ashcroft with is, um, you know, about that and what are the differences? What can people plan for? What those, you know, voters need to be aware of to make sure that they are a part of this primary process. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk to Jay Ashcroft about that and many other things. Well, yeah, many other things. This. So, yeah, love packed show, a lot of great information uh, to get to a lot of great discussions to be had. And uh, let's start with some national news. Uh, let's, uh, let's go. Let's start with this one. The White House is launching a review of cabinet protocols after the defense secretary's secret hospitalization. I love that that is the way it's being categorized. That's the, the that's the description of what happened with Lloyd Austin yes. uh, last week. Secret hospitalization. Of course, we discussed this yesterday afternoon. And uh, today, the White House is launching a review of cabinet protocols for delegating authority in the wake of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's uh, recent secret hospitalization, a memo was sent from uh, White House Chief of Staff Jeff Zintz uh, to cabinet secretaries and directs departments and agencies to, quote, submit their agency-specific delegation of authority protocols by Friday, January 12th, that's this Friday, to the Office of Cabinet Affairs. So the administration obviously trying to at least make it look like they're addressing the debacle that happened with Lloyd Austin, but I think that that's all it is. I think this is just optics for optics. Like, you know, oh, yeah, we're look. We look here. We sent a memo. But it is. <laughs> we know how bad it was. And we sent a memo. We're clearing it up. But it is insane, even though this is for optics and it is to shut everybody up about it. It is crazy that there was not protocol put in place. Before there probably this was. Moment. There probably was. There probably was. So this was. is just a reminder. A, or just again, just like something that they can show to show that they're on top of it. You know, I need to, I really um, messed this up in a way that I need to look at what Corrine Jean-Pierre said on the podium about this. And I'm sure someone asked her about it. I need to find that. I'm sure they asked her about it yesterday 
about the response, the White House, the relationship, why this happened, what happens next. There was probably some spin involved, but I'd love to hear yeah. what the heck she has to say about all yeah, this I'm sure, from the podium. Yeah, I'm sure it was a very clear answer. Oh, yeah. Crystal clear. I'm sure very it was clear. A very, yeah. I'm sure it was a very honest and clear, uh, <laughs> detailed answer given by... I just, but, but I honestly do wonder what happens next for Lloyd Austin. Because Dan Bongino, right before us, was talking about how the media sent out a report saying his surgery had to do with prostate cancer. Yeah. And as I said yesterday, it's, I'm sure, obviously, whatever he was going through was a big deal. And if it was prostate cancer treatment, which has been reported today, that's you know that's a that's a very sensitive oh they're talking about it right now on fox yeah it's a very sensitive and you know important thing for his health that needs to be addressed it has it's not nobody's attacking lloyd austin for having cancer yeah we're we're saying that this you didn't follow protocol we're saying that the fact that the defense secretary was in ICU for multiple days and nobody knew including the president of the United States and his own assistants that is a major it's a major problem and had you know god forbid there been some type of military crisis while that was happening and suddenly the Nobody knows where the defense secretary is. That's a bi- that that's a big problem. That's, Do you think it's a that's call? the issue. Nobody's nobody's you know like nobody's attacking Lloyd Austin for having cancer treatments for God's sakes. Do you think it's a call for resignation? Like that that should have this should be a call for resignation. It depends. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, if 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 there's not any if there's not new information if Lloyd Austin did go into ICU and either at best just didn't tell anybody or at worst specifically said don't don't stay anything that's yeah then that's that's a problem that's that's a problem that's a big mistake and he needs to Re- Re- resignation would be there yeah, resignation yeah yeah i mean that's a we'll, we'll see how it all plays out but yeah somebody this 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 cannot happen and if it if we find out especially that it was intentionally hidden mm-hmm. yeah that's a big problem yeah i i don't know what the process of repercussion is or punishment if you will for uh, allowing something like this to happen and not telling the people around you that need to know. But this, amongst many other things, has collectively been the problem with Lloyd Austin. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't the sole mm-hmm. bad communication. Oh, yeah. But this is this was the cherry on top of a lot of bad moves made. Right. I think you can point him. at almost anybody in the administration and go down a laundry list of yeah. bad decisions. Yeah. Bad policies. And yeah, Lloyd Austin is definitely not immune from that list. No. So it, it and if he intentionally hid the fact that he was unavailable, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I'm, I would also this what a, what a great what a 
insightful look behind the scenes, behind the, into the federal government. As a kid, and I've talked about this before, as a kid and growing up and learning about the government, you think that Congress people and senators and presidents and they like these are the smartest people. These are the best of the best. You got to be, you know, you got to be super smart and super and super, you know, uh, into every good at everything to to be elected a senator or a mm-hmm. congressperson or president or work in the White House. It isn't that is not the case. <laughs> like as you as you learn and you grow and you get behind the scenes. Also, I think you know. On top of that, you think. Just assume that in the federal government, they're probably always really busy and they're probably always communicating. So I would have I would have guessed that if the secretary of defense all of a sudden just wasn't heard from no matter what for a day, let alone multiple days, somebody would notice. Yeah. But I guess they don't talk that often. That's what I was saying yesterday. Like, what is, how does that even happen? If I disappeared, if you disappeared for a day. Right. People would be asking questions. Where's Katie? Where's Tony? Like, how does the Secretary of Defense just disappear and nobody know? That was kind of my point yesterday. Wasn't there a meeting? What are the relationships between... Between Biden and these yeah. people that or he elected to be him staff. and his him and his sta- his staff, right? That's what I. That's exactly what I was. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Like, isn't there a briefing? Isn't there a meeting? Yeah. Isn't there a daily email? <laughs> no one is communicating in that White House. Nobody is communicating. How is, how is that even possible? It's bad. So I mean, what a what a what a peek behind the curtain at just how unimpressive. The, the federal government is at least right now. Um, got a couple of I got a couple of positive stories today. Um, let's see. Do I have time to do this one? Let's. What should we do? Let's go to break. Let's right, go. To let's break go to break, and then we'll get into them. Yeah. Biden's attack on appliances Here that we've that we've well documented on this show took a big hit today. You're this. Ruling that was made that shot down one of Biden's policies is gold. Just like basically, this judge just mocked the whole process and, and exposed it for being not even. It doesn't even. It does, it's not even efficient. Like it's it, it's that not, not only is it not only is it uh, not necessary, but it's. It also doesn't even do what it says it's going to do. I'll ex- I'll explain that. And a uh, statue that was supposed to get torn down is actually going to stay up. That's a, that's a change of uh, mm-hmm. that's a change of pace for once. So we'll get into all those stories. Plus, we will get that uh, latest forecast from Steve Templeton, chief meteorologist over at Channel Four. All that next here on Colombo and Katie. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Welcome back to Columbo and Katie on 1019 One News Talk STL. 
Quick reminder that tomorrow night we will be covering the uh, DeSantis-Haley debate. We'll be airing that right here on News Talk STL. As we said, the Iowa caucus is uh, just six days away now. It is this coming Monday and tomorrow night. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley will debate at Drake University there in Des Moines in Iowa. And we will be bringing that to you live from 8 to 10 p.m., American Sides 2024, and uh, we will be your home all year long for all the most important uh, events and headlines and information surrounding all of the elections coming our way, both locally and nationally. So uh, it all starts with the Iowa caucus on Monday. It's going to be, uh, I can't wait. I love, I'm. this is like, I'm a news geek already, mm-hmm. but elections are my... Like watching the numbers come in, like election night, that's like the peak. That's like the center of my news geekdom. I freaking love election nights. We've had some crazy election nights. Yeah. I love the big board. I love all the guys tapping on the maps and and (laughs) zooming in on counties and bringing it like the numbers. You can tell they're geeking out too. Yeah. I I love all that stuff. And that is about to... uh, that's about to go into a full swing here, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. Also, uh, in uh, about a half hour from now, just after 3 o'clock, we will be uh, going live to Iowa and talking to Republican uh, political strategist there in Iowa, Karen Fessler, who is um, a regular with Tim and Chris and somebody I've talked to many times over the years and the perfect person to talk to with uh, everything happening in Iowa right now should be able to give us a clear picture of uh, of what's happening there on the ground. Here's a fun story. Mm-hmm. The Bill Clinton Library deleted a post. They were trying to have they were trying to have a little fun, and it backfired on them big time. They deleted a post that was asking people to guess. Who the former president sent his first email to. So yesterday was apparently World Typing Day. Oh, okay. Gosh, right? Enough. Apparently it was World Typing Day. So <laughs> yesterday, the Bill Clinton Library posts on Twitter, um, quote, on November 7th, 1998, President Bill Clinton typed out and sent his first ever email. Can you guess who it was to? And it it took about 10 (laughs) seconds for the internet to internet. And the replies started just pouring in with the vast majority (laughs) saying Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, I was thinking Monica. And some kind of commentary after, like, people were like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and then like what the email was about. Oh, he was asking God, Jeffrey yeah. Epstein about or He was setting up his next date with like Riding it was on just, the airplane. It was just Express. yeah. It was a it did not go the way that the Clinton library thought it was going to go and they at first were trying to like edit or delete the all the negative responses coming in and then they just delete it. Then they just took the whole thing down. I also just don't think that we need to have the Clinton presidential library tweeting or making Facebook posts. Like, I don't think we need it's fine to have a website. Okay, I get it. But if you're telling me that that has a social media presence, 
Is that necessary? Mm. Is that a necessary Man, thing? How do you not see that coming? I just how do you not see that from coming? the jump? You're telling me not a good time. Something not a good no. time to ask for public feedback on Opinion, anything. Yeah, about Bill Clinton. By the way, he was uh, responding to an email from space that was sent by John Glenn. That was the that's the real okay. answer. Okay, that's the real answer. <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, interesting enough. That post not up anymore. Had to be yeah. taken down because it backfired on the uh, Clinton Library. All right. As we mentioned, uh, joining us on the line again. And Steve, thanks. I, I, I'd hate to keep, uh, you know, making you put in overtime this week, but it seems like these things just keep popping up. So uh, really appreciate your time again this afternoon as it looks like we have another batch of something coming our way. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm happy to help. There's no no problem bringing me on and spreading the word of what's going on so that people are aware. And, and what you really need to know is you just need to use caution on the roads this late afternoon through the evening, especially the evening commute, because that's when a band of snow showers is moving through St. Louis. Now, temperatures are going to be at or above freezing, and that may help melt some of it, but I just can't rule out some slick spots. The farther northwest you go to Troy, Bowling Green, better chance for seeing some of that stick on the pavement. But even if this doesn't stick on the pavement, uh, it's going to be blowing around in 35 to 45 mile per hour winds. So you have the reduced visibility. So it's going to make things a little bit tricky this evening. I think on, mainly on grass and racers, accumulations are probably uh, nothing to uh, at max an inch in the metro. You go northwest of the metro, maybe you get a little over an inch. Bowling Green, probably two to four inches up there. So this isn't huge accumulations. Most of it will be on the grass, but we just can't rule out some of it sticking in the pavement and then that blowing snow and reduced visibility can cause some problems on the drive Snow's going to taper off by about nine o'clock turn over to just flurries and then we're below freezing overnight so you do want to watch for any kind of untreated slick spots like sidewalks and driveways when you step outside tomorrow morning mm, gotcha but uh, as far as the 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 snow and stuff it's all it's a tonight thing it's not anything that's going to uh, yep. roll over into tomorrow morning so that's correct. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much this evening uh, through about nine o'clock, and that's it. Um, might be a few flurries after that, but no, nothing will accumulate. And uh, Wednesday's a dry day, a little brighter. We'll see some sunshine, a high near forty. And then there's another first alert weather day for Friday. That's where we try to draw your attention to impactful weather. Um, it comes in as rain Thursday night, Friday morning, but it looks like it may switch over to snow and strong winds yet again Friday afternoon and evening. Some of the models push the track of this a little farther north where we get mostly rain, a little bit of snow, but others have the track uh, a little farther south, which would be a few inches maybe of snow. And that could be really bad going into the Friday evening commute. So we need to watch that one closely. The difference between this Friday storm, though, is behind it, there is a major push of Arctic air. So we're going to get cold quickly Friday night down to 16 Saturday morning, and this cold blast is going to last through the weekend into next week. I have our low at minus one Tuesday morning. <laughs> yeah. Here comes My winter. Goodness. Here comes winter is right. Oh. Well, uh, Steve, thank you as as always. Uh, we'll talk to you on Friday afternoon as we do each and every week, and hopefully yep. uh, this is the, the last time that we have to, <laughs> that we have to <laughs> go to you an extra an extra time as uh, probably not. This I'm happy to help and <laughs> hope everyone drives safely this evening. Well, Thank I you, certainly Steve. appreciate the the info and the update, Steve. Thanks. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Take care, guys. You Thank you, Steve Templeton. There, chief meteorologist over at KMOV Channel Four, and you know he he 
he nailed it yesterday as far as I was concerned. I was I had to do a little driving yesterday evening, um, picking up Maggie from gymnastics practice and driving back. And there was like a bunch of sloppy, wet, big snowflakes mm-hmm. falling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it you start to worry, like, is this going to turn into something? And it ended up kind of exactly what he said. It never really got below freezing. So it wasn't like an ice situation. It wasn't an accumulation situation. And, you know, and it made me feel better that like, okay, this is what it is, but it's not going to, doesn't look like it's going to get any worse. And you kind of can prepare and get through it. I'm happy that it didn't like really stick, but then it's also that fear of like, what's the ice going to look like? Is it icy? Is it sleek? Like what, what's going on there? What's that mush going to turn into? Right. That's why it's always important to watch the actual temperature. You know, if it stays above freezing, you're going to totally. be okay. But yeah, if it would have been below freezing last night, that could have gotten a, a Can lot. Can I just say really quickly, Karine Jean-Pierre just responded to what the White House believes with Austin. Oh, yeah. And she was like, she totally deflected. We already knew she was going to yeah. say it. She deflected and said, everyone needs to go to Secretary Austin's. Um, everyone needs to look at Secretary Austin's statement that he put out yesterday. He takes full blame for what he did. And he takes full consideration into how this affected his leadership and what this looked like for the White House. And she was like, we're okay with it. Everything's fine. We're putting robust protocols into place, the memo that you just read. Right. And that's what we're basing everything off of. So it was a spin cycle. It was a total spin cycle. Everybody has been asking her, who are we blaming for something like this? This looks terrible. Who do you blame for this? And she's like, oh, we don't blame him. It's so obvious, though. Like I said before, it doesn't even, it doesn't even need to be the federal government. Anybody, anybody at any business or family <laughs> knows that you can't just disappear. Not tell anybody. If you have any responsibilities in life at all, at work or at home, you can't just disappear and not tell anybody. And they, Karine Jean-Pierre, it looks like they did not care. They said, look at his statement. He takes a full accountability for his actions. And because of this, we're putting in robust protocols moving forward. And then she's like, and that's it. That's all I have to say about are that. We just, are we supposed to believe then, I guess, that he just didn't think to tell anybody? Like, and, oh, it just never occurred to me. And everyone else is never cool with it. Never occurred to me to, you know, call the office yeah. and say, hey, won't be in for a couple days. Call Biden's chief of staff or someone. Let and them like know. I said before, how is it possible that nobody noticed? It's Do bad. they never talk? Bad. Never, so bad. Are there, are there no briefings, meetings, daily emails, check-ins? I mean, like. Buddy checks. It's, how do you how do you disappear for multiple days and have nobody notice? Mm. Uh, well, just exposes the uh, how weak this uh, this administration truly truly is. Um, okay, let's uh, let's get back into this here. Biden speaking of the administration. Biden's attack on appliances took a big hit today. The uh, federal, uh, a federal appeals court struck down the Department of Energy regulatory actions targeting dishwashers 
as part of the Biden administration's aggressive climate and energy efficiency agenda. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit issued a ruling late yesterday afternoon overturning the DOE's decision in 2022 to repeal a Trump-era regulation governing water use in dishwashers. The ruling said that this is the, this is the great part of it. The ruling read in part, quote, even if DOE could consider dishwashers and clothes washers efficiency in both energy use and water use, the 2020 rules likely promoted greater efficiency in both categories than the repeal rule. Assuming both energy conservation metrics are on the table, the states argue and DOE does not appear to dispute that one important aspect of the problem is whether appliance regulations actually reduce energy and water consumption. Right, right. Yet the administration record contains ample evidence that DOE's efficiency standards, that's the new Biden push, likely does the opposite. They make Americans use more energy and more water for the simple reason that purportedly energy efficient appliances do not work. So not only are they, did they say did the court find and rule that this is unnecessary to be taking apart every freaking appliance and every part of your home from microwaves to air conditioners to dishwashers and dryers and everything else but it's actually worse <laughs> it's it's they're using more water and more energy and trying to pitch it all as a environmental savings package when it's the opposite but I, what i but what i don't get is that how if so if we get data like this proving that it's using more energy more water more whatever, more time, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. More cost. Cost. Americans that labor, have to replace all of these things. Our every, builders that what, have to, yeah. Five years. Yeah. So, but, okay, so if that is all proven and we have the data, then why are they still pushing it? What is the benefit of saying to the American public, dishwasher that's great for energy, mm-hmm. and it turns out it isn't, what is the benefit for them to say that it is? Optics. It gives them a victory. It gives them, if they, because, and if we don't see a ruling like this, and I don't really see this any being widely discussed, if people don't know that it's actually using more water and more energy and doing exactly the opposite of what people say, if you don't know that, then the president can say, we passed these bills that are going to, you know, save water and save energy and be good for the environment. And it gives him it gives him a success story. It gives him a victory. That's the that's the why. And people need to know that not only is it ridiculous because of the cost involved, with yeah. a lot of these things like the in replacing or building a lot of these appliances across the board not just dishwashers with all of these new regulations in place they don't even do 
the regulations or the new stuff doesn't even do what they say it's going to do. So it, it's it's all a big, it's just all a big show. show. Yeah, it's all a big show, a big lie to make it look like the president's like the like getting rid of plastic straws. Yeah, you get rid of every single plastic straw on Earth tomorrow. Are have we have we done anything really to save the environment? No. But everybody can say, but the people that did it can say, oh, we scored a major victory today. So if he's lying, if they're lying about dishwashers mm-hmm. and why these new regulations need to go in place, if those are all lies. What else is? Yeah. What do you think's going to, what do you think when people start digging into the microwave regulations and the air conditioner regulations? And oven. The, yeah, oven. Right. So Tanya. Gas stove. Gas stove. <laughs> Tanya on our live stream says there's a lot of money to be made in the green energy scam. And I, mm, that's completely correct. Mm-hmm. I just think that if anybody reads this, of course, like you as an average American should be really upset, but the people that should also be upset are probably the greenies that are thinking Biden's doing something mm-hmm. and, he, and he's he's fulfilled something with climate crisis, green energy, all of that jazz. Turns out it's more work and more energy and more water being used. I mean, if you are a greenie, that this is something that should yeah. make your blood boil. Well, if you're a conservationist. Yeah. Yeah. Because you because Joe Biden, it is telling you, looking you in the eye and uh, telling you to your face that he's on your side. And he's not. It's not even because it doesn't do it doesn't save you. It doesn't do any. It's not only is it costly, which is the biggest complaint to this point. It's not even green. It's not even good for the environment. Everything is crap. Every appliance is just gone down the hole. Everything is crap. Everything's crap. That's right. And uh, you know who's afraid of everything turning to crap? Look at that segue. Who? Michelle Obama. Oh. Mm-hmm. You see this? Mm-hmm. I did. Michelle Obama did. said that she is terrified about the 2024 presidential election. Mm-hmm. We'll explain that. I'm going to ask you, Katie, and everybody. I'd love to hear any everybody's thoughts on this. I have always poo-pooed the idea of Michelle Obama getting involved in the presidential race. But with this latest story comes a a revived discussion and more people saying that, oh, this is, she's signaling, she's signaling, she's going to get in. So explain the story. We'll talk about that and more next also, don't forget, we're going to talk to Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft and Karen Fessler live from Iowa as we go through a busy afternoon here on Columbo and Katie. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Welcome back to Columbo and Katie on 101.994.1 News Talk STL. Just this moment... While we were at break, there was a uh, an amazing exchange between John uh, Kirby and mm-hmm. Peter Ducey. The White House press briefing is uh, is is happening right now in in, in D.C. and uh, uh, they're talking about Lloyd Austin and the breakdown of communication um, it, it, within the administration. And uh, uh, Peter Ducey it, it just asked. Um, 
uh, well, you'll 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 hear it. We've we've queued it up for you here. This is this is amazing. And of course, there's a lot to that. The next day, on the first of January, President Biden convened a secure telephone conference with uh, Mr. Sullivan, with Secretary Austin, with the Joint Chiefs Chairman uh, General Brown, Secretary Blinken, the DNI, the CIA Director, and other members of the team. They covered developments in the Middle East. President Biden directed the NSC. Department of Defense and the State Department to accelerate work with allies and partners on a joint statement on the Houthi attacks in the Red Sea, which was to be issued to, according to the President's direction no later than Wednesday. You saw we did that. I came to the podium and read that out. From Monday the 1st of January through Wednesday the 3rd, the National Security Advisor, his deputy, Middle East Coordinator Brett McGurk, spoke repeatedly with their counterparts in multiple foreign capitals to secure the support for that joint statement. Senior NSC officials coordinated hour by hour with senior Pentagon officials who are also making phone calls and securing support from foreign partners. The president's uh, final approval on that statement uh, uh, happened shortly thereafter, and as you know, it was issued on the 3rd of January. Also on the 3rd, there was a principal's committee meeting on Haiti, um, and neither Secretary Austin nor General Brown attended. They were represented by, by deputies. Um, that is not uncommon, that a, 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 a principal's committee meeting, for whatever reason, a principal may not be able uh, to attend. Okay, thank you for all the detail on that. But but more broadly, why should we believe anything that this administration tells us about anything ever again? I think we all recognize, and I think the Pentagon has been very, very honest with themselves about uh, the um, the challenge to, to, to credibility by what by what has transpired here, and by what and by uh, uh, how. how how hard it was for them to be fully transparent with the American people. I think we all recognize that. And and wait, wait now, just give me a second now. I, I know you got another one coming here, but but we all recognize that this didn't unfold the way it should have on so many levels. Not just the notification process up the chain of command, but the transparency issue. We all recognize that, and, and I think we all want to make sure we learn from that. I. Uh, it's up to you and your colleagues, and it's up to the American people to determine, you know, how much they're going uh, to ascribe what happened here to our credibility on every single issue. But in, in every way, Secretary Austin has been an exceptional defense secretary, and he still has the full faith and confidence of the commander in chief. Uh, he has led uh, the department at an incredibly dangerous time for uh, our national security interests and those of our allies and partners. But, but if the administration is going to go to such great lengths to keep secrets about the defense secretary health. How can anybody be certain that the administration would not go to the same lengths to keep secret problems with President Biden's health in the future? If, if you could logically argue, and you can't, but if you could logically argue that How the administration... He's wait, 81 wait, years old. Wait a second. Just give me a second What's here, bub. There? I'll get there. If, if the administration made some sort of Machiavellian effort uh, across the board to, to to keep this from getting public, then I think your question has merit and, and certainly is a fair one. I don't think it's a fair one because that's not what happened here, Peter. What happened here is the Secretary of Defense, uh, for whatever reason, I can't answer the question why, uh, that information wasn't shared. It wasn't shared widely in the department and it worse? certainly wasn't shared with Here's the United States. It's, it's, not, it's not good. It's certainly not good, which is why, again, we want to learn from this. We want to We want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. We got to go around here. Um, 
Given that this was so awesome. And, and uh, Karine Amazing. Jean-Pierre comes in with the save and says, we got to go to somebody else. That was incredible. So great. And so I, great. I will say this about John Kirby. Kareem Jean-Pierre wouldn't have even... At least John Kirby tried yes. <laughs> to yes. answer. At least he... At least he took the questions yes. and gave an answer. It was, they were terrible answers. But Karine Jean-Pierre would have just said, we're moving on. Or maybe even just end. We've seen her just end the press briefing when she gets a question she doesn't like. You're like, oh, you guys are, yeah, we've already addressed this and you, you're not being serious. So we'll see you tomorrow. Like literally, she's done that many times. She did it last month. That was a good exchange. Was, yeah. And it was incredible. Yeah. Because Peter Ducey makes a great point about if we if the administration was able to keep this secret or lie about this to the American people in this instance, why should we have any confidence or belief that you wouldn't do the same thing about a similar situation in the future and specifically with the health of the president of the United States. And for John Kirby to say, like, try to do the whole, like, hold on a second there, bub. Like, yeah. we're going to get to you. Yes. Like, the for him to say, oh, that's not a, you know, well, if your question was valid, which it's not, like, that that was, ama- that was amazing and a great point by Peter Ducey. If, they're, if, if you guys will lie and keep secrets about the defense secretary's health and capabilities at a given moment why would why should we believe that you wouldn't do the same thing about the president and don't act like it's a stupid question to propose a what if because this isn't a what if that's like what if somebody very low in aid on the totem pole got sick with covid and had to leave for a week this isn't a what if that like what if major or whatever the dog bit a security guard this is a high ranking official in the white house going in for a very heavy procedure staying in the hospital for a long time not notifying anybody and the what if to that question would be if a national security a national defense issue happened in this time Mm -hmm. Where would we be as a country and who would we report yeah, to? Yeah. It's not a ho-hum question. Right, not it's at all. It's an actual legit what if. Yeah. And again, remember, the Biden administration said at the very beginning and all throughout the campaign and when they uh, took over, they would be the most transparent administration in history. And another... Huge instance of them being the exact opposite of hiding things and not communing and communicating and being the opposite of transparent. And that was Peter's biggest point that you're you're obviously very capable and comfortable with keeping information from us from from yeah from the United States from citizens. Why should so? Why should we believe that that if this was the the president instead of the secretary of defense, that things would be any different? And no real answer from John Kirby. He tried, which I appreciate a whole lot more than Karine Jean Pierre. Right, but 
not not a not a good answer. It's not a good answer, but I have to say that that exchange of him trying to dumb down what the American public is feeling, which is, I think, the embodiment of that question that Peter Ducey asked. It's a Fox News question. It's Peter Ducey. But if you don't think the American public is like, what the heck is going on? Mm -hmm. You are obviously living in a bubble that is completely different than the rest of the United States. And to act like that's so stupid and the, hey, bub, slow it down type yeah, of attitude. Yeah. I'm going to get to you. It's disrespectful to the American public, I think. Yeah. No, it, it most certainly is disrespectful. Um, and I, I also the beginning of that was great where Kirby's like laying out the all the things, all the like the defense meetings and uh, communications that have that happened the first week of January while this was all going on. And then Peter Ducey goes, well, thank you for all those details, but um, this has nothing to do with my question. Like, no. that doesn't answer anything about the transparency of keeping this secret. Like, I don't know why John Kirby thought that. Was, I mean, I do know why he's just spinning and, you know, he's deflecting. But giving the giving a recap of every meeting that happened in the last week. Does not have anything to do with why did you not tell, why did you keep this information from the public? <laughs> I also have, one, I don't need to know that there was, a, I don't need to know that there was a meeting last Wednesday at, at 8 a.m. That right. has nothing to that do with my question. I do have one more question about this, and I know yeah. we've spent so much time, but did, has the memo actually outlined? what exactly the robust protocol that they're putting into place to make sure something no. like this. She also, and neither did John Kirby explain what the, what are no. the actual details about what you're putting into place now? Yeah, they just said that they are putting in new protocols. Also interesting side note to that is he Kirby once again said that they still, he still doesn't know. He still can't answer the why did this happen? Why did did Lloyd Austin make the decision to not tell anybody or to keep this secret? And he even said, like, I, I don't have that information. I don't know why. I don't know the why. Great. Well, come so, back to us. Can and somebody you know ask why. him? The, can yeah. somebody ask Lloyd Austin why? Please. Then somebody call him. Why was that decision made to not? Because it was a decision that was made to not tell anybody that, that he was going to be. It, Linda on our live stream unavailable. Just said that. The answer is why. Yeah, and that's funny because he, he even said, he "I, I don't know why. I don't have that information." Can somebody please find out the why? What an what an awesome what an awesome exchange that was uh, just moments ago at the White House. All right, we are going to go live to Iowa. The Iowa caucus is on Monday. The debate between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis in Iowa is tomorrow night, and we will talk. To Iowa Republican uh, political strategist Karen Fessler next on Colombo and Katie.